Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Well, good morning. I'm going to try something a little different here this morning. I just want to sit here and talk to you about how to live out the Christian life. This is part eight of our series, Genuine, a walk through Colossians. And today I want to talk to you about what the Christian life is all about. Now, I want to put in a disclaimer, because if you grew up in a strict or legalistic home, you're going to find this message either difficult or freeing. If you grew up in a home where things were over-spiritualized, you're going to find this message difficult or freeing. If you grew up uh, not understanding what Christianity was all about, I am hoping that this will give you real insight in terms of what it means to live out the Christian life. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I can assume a few things about you. I can assume that you really want to follow Jesus. I can assume that you want to be what he wants you to be. I, I can assume that there are times, maybe even most times, when you find that difficult. Uh, you want to be holy or good or righteous or however you think of those things. Um, and you probably want to experience God too. And those, those are great, awesome desires. The problem is that we often go about trying to do those things in a way that becomes problematic. And that's what our passage of Scripture is about today. And it's one of those things, if you understand what's going on, I think it's going to be really freeing in your life. In uh, the passage that we looked at last week, uh, we looked at, at Paul said this, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the elementary spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. In this passage, when we looked at it, we looked at the difference between Christians and non-Christians. Now, the passage that we're looking at today follows right after that, and it's going to look at things that are hollow, deceptive philosophies in terms of what people think are Christian. And here's what it says in verse uh, 16. I'm going to look at the first chunk of this. Therefore... Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon, celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions, they, uh, by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body supports and, and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Starts off in verse 16. Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon, celebration, Sabbath day, these are a shadow of the things to come. There were two big debates in the early church, and both of them are irrelevant to you. One debate was whether you should eat meat offered to idols. 
The other debate was whether you should follow Old Testament kosher laws. And uh, then another big debate in, in uh, uh, the early church was, do you keep the Sabbath day? Do you not keep the Sabbath day? Do you celebrate the, the festivals? Now, when we get into this, I, I know that the whole idea of meeting, eating meat offered to idols is irrelevant to you. And, and if you debated on having a, a cheeseburger last week, it was probably about the calories, not about it being kosher. But that was the big debate. Now, the debate when I was growing up was, uh, should, was about drinking. Should you drink alcohol or not? Uh, Paul says this, do not let anyone judge you. Or maybe a better way of putting it would be, do not let anyone put condemnation on you uh, as to whether you do or whether you don't. That's not what faith is all about. For those of us who have been in the middle of that debate, it's rather deflating, isn't it? I know a lot of Christians who have really strong opinions about that. But Paul says... It's not about that. It's about Jesus. Another issue um, that I hear less of these days, uh, but some people believe that Sunday should be set apart, and some people use Sundays to get their to-do list done. Um, Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 5, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in, in their own mind. That's a little deflating too, isn't it? Um, in our passage in, in Colossians, Paul says, uh, don't let anyone put condemnation on you, whether you set Sunday aside or not, whether you do or don't. That's not what our faith is about. Verse 17, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Uh, what we drink or don't drink what day we set apart or don't set apart. These are, these are a shadow of reality. It's a vague representation of reality, but it's not what our faith is about. The reality, Paul says, of our faith is found in Christ. Our faith is not about those things. Our faith is centered on Christ. Some of you are saying, well, pastor, should I or shouldn't I drink? Or should I or shouldn't I set Sundays aside? I'll tell you what Augustine told his people. Love God with all your heart. Then do what you please. Love God with all your heart. Those kind of things will fall into line. Be convinced in your own mind of what is right. And if you think something's wrong, then don't do it, because those things that are done apart from faith are, are sin. These things are uh, a matter of personal faith. You work them out between you and God. But don't you dare condemn somebody who has a different opinion than you do. That's not what faith is all about. Uh, our faith is about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Paul goes on, verse 18. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, 
from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Before we get into this particular uh, part of the scripture, let me say this. I believe because the Bible says we should have spiritual experiences. I believe that we can expect God to speak to us. I believe that God um, gives some people visions and other people dreams. And, and uh, Hebrews says sometimes we entertain angels unaware. Uh, I believe that God gives gifts of knowledge and discernment. I, I believe that we should be seeing prayers answered. Spiritual experiences are part of the Christian life. And Paul, who wrote this passage, experienced some amazing things. He talked about uh, ascending to the third heaven, saw this vision of what was to be, and it was just amazing. But the guy who said that says this, watch out for people who delight in false humility over spiritual experiences. Or to put it in, in today's language, watch out for people who do the humble brag. You know what the humble brag is, eh? I, I saw one on, on, on Twitter. I, it said, I, I just did something very selfless, but more importantly, it was genuine and I know it means a lot to, to the person. You know, boasting about a, selfful, uh, uh, a selfless act is a humble brag. It's, uh, you know, puts a person up on a pedestal, even though they're saying, oh, I was, I was completely selfless. Paul says, watch out for people who do that when they're talking about spiritual experiences. They go into great detail about their spiritual experience. And uh, they may even say, oh, glory go to Jesus. But when you come away from the conversation, it's, oh, look, look what, uh, how amazing I am and how I've been blessed. Paul says, people like that have an unspiritual mind. What, what? They've experienced these great spiritual experiences and they have an unspiritual mind? Well, if you let your spiritual experiences link into your pride and that puffs you up, you miss the point of why God gave you the spiritual experience. And you miss the point of what God wants to do in your life. An unspiritual mind. See, here's the thing. Well, well, I believe that we can and we should have real spiritual experiences. That is not what our faith is about. It's about Jesus. If you, uh, your spiritual journey becomes about having spiritual experiences, and it's not about Jesus, it's a problem. Our faith, it's about Jesus. If spiritual experiences come first and Jesus is second, you've missed the point. Paul says, verse 19, they've lost connection with the head, who is the true, who, uh, from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows as God causes it to grow. People like that, they, they get disconnected with Jesus and they have a way of disconnecting the rest of the church. And it becomes a problem for them. They get into weird stuff and they go places where you, the Bible just doesn't say anything about. And it's not the point. It's about Jesus. Just as a rule of thumb, 
if you are pursuing Jesus and have a spiritual experience, you're golden. If you pursue a spiritual experience and Jesus is a, is attack on, you've got a problem. Well, let's move on in our passage of scripture. Verse 20 says this, since you died with Christ to the elementary spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teaching. Such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom and with their self-imposed worship, their, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in refraining sensual indulgence. See, did you know that you can have a worldly spirituality? That's what Paul's talking about here. And the problem is, is that a worldly spirituality in our day often masquerades as Christianity. Paul calls it submitting to the elemental forces of this world. So let me give you some weird ones to start with, and then we'll come back to our world. Uh, in the early church, uh, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 4th, 5th, 6th century, uh, there was this movement we call the, them the ascetics. And they did really weird things. They, they wanted to be holy, and so they wanted to beat their flesh into submission. And so what they would do is they would go around wearing hair shirts, and they itched all over. And you know how when you itch, it just drives you crazy? Well, that was their way of putting down the flesh. Others, they would beat themselves with whips over the shoulder, and they would... Uh, um, sub, uh, beat their body into submission that way. And they, through the grit, grit of their teeth, they would beat their body, and that was to make them holy. Or some people, they would sit on top of the pole, uh, a pole, you know, on a little platform for, for months. And that deprivation was to make them holy. But the problem is, is that those things, they may have the appearance of wisdom. I'm not even sure they have that. But they don't really help with the heart, right? They don't really help with what is really going on inside you. Paul says, doesn't help. Verse 23, But such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, their, their harsh treatment of the body but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. If we look back at those people, I look back at those people and think, what were they thinking? What, what were they trying to, to do getting spiritual things that physical way? And yet, I see so many people in our day take a different route, but it's, a, it's the same strategy. Um, I, I see people who you know, they have a really good heart. And, and like those people, they, they, they have a commitment to trying towards self-improvement. They, they want to be holy. They have the right desire, but their approach is wrong. Um, the equivalent in our days is we, we get self-help gurus. And those self-help gurus help us to, to shape our lives in ways that will 
make them better or good. So, so what do you want to have happen? Do you want to, um, you know, stop a, a, a drug addiction? Do you want to um, uh, become better looking? Do you want to become more confident? What do you want to have happen in your life? Well, well, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about the issues that are going on, and let's put in a strategy in place, and and and, and let's make this happen. Um, do you have a problem with anger or hatred or pornography? then let's get a strategy in place and make this happen. And you know, sometimes even doing things that way will work. But here's the thing. If stopping doing something or becoming something you're not is your primary focus rather than Christ, then what's going to happen is you're going to put on this even if you get what you want, you'll have this facade and underneath it will be you, it won't be Jesus. Uh, if becoming what you want to be is all about you and not about Jesus, then you're going to become probably more religious and less Christian. There is a place for dealing with all those issues, of course. And there are a place to make right choices, of course. But it comes out of your relationship with Jesus first. See, when we focus on uh, what we focus on depends on where we go. When our focus becomes on God and developing our relationship with him, then he's going to show us what to do about the stuff that needs to be dealt with. He'll bring people across our path that will help us to deal with those things. He'll lead us into ways. And so when, when you're working on issues in your life, lean into Jesus. He's the way that you get the your heart to change. It's not outward in, it's inward out. See, as Paul has been trying to say throughout the, these first two chapters, it's about Jesus. Let me say this as clearly as I can. When your faith is about making you better, or more holy, or less addicted, you miss the point. When your faith is about Jesus, then he's going to help you to move into all of what you were created to be. Uh, he will show you how, or bring people across your path to show you how to, to walk into freedom and to walk into holiness. But our faith is not about self-improvement. It's about Jesus. The question you need to ask yourself is, is this, is, is your faith about you first or Jesus first? And I know that that's a really hard question to answer. I, I, I get that. So much of our life is about us that sometimes we try to make Jesus a means to an end of getting what we want. However, our Christian life is not all about you. It's about him. And if you will trust your life into his hand, if you will lose your life for his sake, what you find is you'll gain it back. If you abandon yourself to him, he'll make you into all that you were meant to be. He will make you into all you're created to be. But if you hold on to your life and say, I'm going to be a self-made person and tack Jesus onto it, it's going to be a problem. So often we do things where we're trying to make them happen. Even our spiritual lives. 
Uh, I want to get closer to God, so I'm going to put in this regiment of getting closer to God. And Paul talks about self-imposed worship. When your worship comes out of what God's told you, when you are praying about God, how, how long should I spend with you each day? And your, your worship comes out of that. that. That is awesome and good. When you say, I've got this plan, and I'm going to get to Jesus my way, we become religious and less Christian. Um, you can, can do all sorts of things and make all sorts of things happen, and, and you may even have the appearance of being good or religious. But if your heart is hard or hidden and is not leaning into Jesus, you've missed the point. It's all about Jesus. You know, I know people who grew up going to church five, six times a week. I think maybe the theory was that, you know, if you were in church, you weren't getting into trouble. Um, maybe a good strategy in terms of keeping you away from the bad. But it's not a good strategy in terms of making you what you're created to be. Like Jesus, taking on the fruit of the Spirit. Because heart change comes from a movement of the Spirit in your heart. The next two sermons are, are, are going to be all about what, what, what it means to, to push into those things. So, so when we're back again, I'm going to, going to talk about how, how, to, how to put on the, the self that you were created to be and made to be and to put off the old self of, of, of what you're never made to be. And we'll talk about how to do that. But here's what I want to leave you with today. Jesus, Jesus is closer than you know. You don't have to try to get to him. He is already there. He's closer than your next breath. Um, without spiritual or frilly language, would you just talk to him? Would you tell him your heart's hopes and dreams? and fear and doubt? Would you talk to him about what you want? The more spiritual and frilly your language becomes, the less you're probably connecting with Jesus at a heart level. Just talk to him. And, and I want you to know this, after you talk to him, you can just sit there and he loves you. You are surrounded by his love. So you, so you say, Jesus, you know what's going on in my life. You know the doubt and the fear and I don't know why you're not answering this prayer that I'm praying. I'll trust you. I'm following you. I know it's about you. It's not about me. But I know you care for me. So I'm going to leave it in your hands. I'm yours. As you start to pray prayers like that, ah. Oh, Jesus has a way of just moving in and dealing with your heart and <laughs> causing you to, to uh, see amazing things happen. But if you start praying prayers like, Oh Lord, I need your help. I need your filling. If you put on a false self, Jesus doesn't connect with false selves. He connects with you. Would you just simply... Talk to him.
He loves you deeply. He wants a relationship with you, the the real you, not the the false you or the put on you or the the heart you covered up. He wants he wants the real you. And he accepts you right as you are. He takes you right right where you're at. He sees all the stuff. You you can't hide it from him. But he says, come to me. I've got such a better way for you. Just walk with me. Talk with me. Tell me what's on your heart. Let me connect with you. You know, if you will abide in him, he abides with you. You, It's amazing what he'll do when you ask him. I just got to say that. So I want to encourage you. Walk with Jesus. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, in this time, I just want to say thank you. Thank you that you know what life is all about and what our lives are all about. And so often, Lord, I know people, they have good hearts and they want to do the best and they want to be holy and they they want to be better. And so they try to make themselves better and tack you on. And you don't do very well as a tack on. I want to pray for those people that they wouldn't get hung up on the other stuff, but they would really know that life in you is all about you and connecting with you and having a relationship uh, with you. So, Lord, I give you them. I'm looking forward to what you're going to do because you are amazing. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.